morning we're going to talk about tough times, how to get through them, how you can get through them not just surviving, but as a, a victor. Each of us in our lives faces difficult times. Some are harder than others. Some are more serious than others. And many of those difficult times for most of us leave us with a feeling like, I just wish I could give up. Oftentimes, it's like someone coming up and just giving you a punch in the midsection. It just knocks the winds right out of your sail. And although most of us in this room, in fact, you wouldn't be here if you hadn't, have lived through them, those tough times have left us worn out, exhausted, empty, and oftentimes with a very negative outlook on the rest of our life. Difficulties have that tendency. Wouldn't it be great if we could go through tough times and instead of growing weaker, grow stronger, instead of in more pain, experience greater comfort and greater joy? Wouldn't that be nice? Is that a pipe dream? Yeah, you think, I wonder if that's a pipe dream. Of course, most of us would simply wish they'd just go away. I mean, I won't run away, but it'd be nice, God, if I could just not have any tough times. Just life would be smooth and, you know, wonderful and, and you know, the right person would come to my life now and the new job would come to my life now and the house would be paid for now and, and you know, uh, I could own my own Porsche now and... <clears throat> And everything now, and the twins could win now, you know, and another world champion season now, and oh, I tell you, tough times are hard, aren't they? They're just so strenuous, especially on those Minnesotans who are in love with the twins. It's been a rough season, and I hope you're hanging in there. But I'm sure after today, you're going to make it with flying colors, and those games just won't bother you anymore. You'll always come out on top. Well, there is a way that that can happen. There is a way that that can happen. There's a way that we can live life and go through the difficult times of life. But there's only one way that it can happen, and that's through a strong, abiding faith in God. We've been doing a series here entitled Improving Your Spiritual Health. The first Sunday, we talked about spiritual food for strong spiritual bodies. And the next week, we talked about Escaping the stress monster. And last week we talked about overcoming loneliness. So you know what we've covered? We've covered the Bible, prayer, and fellowship. You didn't even know that, did you? Those nifty little titles. We thought we were talking about stress and food and friendship. No. We're talking about the Word of God, prayer, and fellowship. But in a way that you can understand it and grasp how important it is to your life. Well, this Sunday you're going to find out that without faith, strong faith in God, you are a weakling. You will go nowhere in life. But we need to understand the object of our faith and we need to know how to develop that faith. We need a step-by-step -step process how to make it through tough times in our life. I'd like to share a verse with you out of Psalm 27. I'd like to give you a simple definition of faith. This is my definition of faith putting together different passages of Scripture in the Bible that I'm familiar with, my definition is simply this. Faith is a confident expectation that God is going to bring about the good things we hope for. That's faith. 
Faith is a confident expectation that God is going to bring about the good things we hope for. Now, how could I come up with that? How do you know that's true? Because Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of an unseen reality. Psalm 27 tells us in verse 13, I would have despaired unless I had believed I would see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. You know, God's gotten a bad rap in our society. He gets blamed for everything bad that ever happens. He gets blamed for the crime in the world. He gets blamed for the hunger in the world. He gets blamed for the tornadoes in the world. He gets blamed for everything. You know, Three Mile Island goes and leaks nuclear radiation, and God gets blamed. Somebody gets killed, and God gets blamed. He's such a wonderful scapegoat, isn't he? Do you know God is good, and His character is good, and everything God does is good. Everything God does is good. If you do not understand that and believe that, you will never be able to have strong, dynamic faith. You'll always be an individual who whenever, the, even the slightest difficulties come to your life, you're going to lose strength. You're going to have your energy sapped. You see, faith is the eyesight of God. Faith is using the eyes that God has given each of us to use as we trust in Him. And faith is an expectation that good is going to come. Hey, I know how it is. Most of you that were at the wedding yesterday, you're sitting back there going, yeah, this is really great. Glad to be here. When's it my turn, God? You know? This will never happen for me. I know that. And even if it did, it would never be half as good as this wedding. I know you. I know human nature. Why? Because I'm human. I know how we think. Oh yeah, God, give them a job. Just great. You know, they just graduated. I've been looking for a year and a half. They get this brand new $40,000 a year job. World travel, a car to drive, and I'm still flipping burgers. You know? <laughs> or working at a daycare center trying to get a job teaching. And it's, that's our mentality towards life. Instead of a confident expectation, hey, listen, the only, the only thing between me and the good things coming is a four-letter word called time. T-I-M-E, time. Don't ever forget that. That's the only thing between you and the good that's coming. And faith knows that. You see? Faith, this kind of faith, gives you a confident, positive outlook on life. Because you know, listen, God is in control of my life. God is working out things in my life. God is orchestrating my life. He's the symphony director. He knows what He's doing and when it needs to be done. And we can relax in that. I was sharing with the band today before we played. and A little while back I was watching, oh, it's about two weeks ago, as they were getting ready for this Hearns-Leonard fight, they were showing all the other fights these guys had, had leading up to it. And I, I am a real boxing fan. I love boxing. You know, it's, it, I'm not a violent person. <laughs> Wouldn't want anyone to take me wrong. It's because I like to, you know, have a punching bag at home. Or, no, I don't have one. But, but my father was a boxer. And so I, we, I grew up watching the fights, you know. And the other day, they showed up. Roberto Duran and Iran Barkley, who Iran Barkley was the super middleweight champion, he knocked out Tommy Hearns. Just knocked him out. Super fighter. 
Roberto Duran's 37 years old. Shouldn't even be in the ring, but he, he comes back. I think Sugar Ray inspired him. You know, he figured, hey, if these old guys can do it, I can do this. So he comes back and I'm watching the fight and the commentators are commentating the fight go, I just don't believe it. Look at Duran. He's just so relaxed in there. It's just like he just moves to the right, moves to the left, and just flows. You know, and Barkley can't even hit him. And it was uncanny. Here's this guy. I mean, this guy Barkley can hit a hole in a brick wall. And, 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 and Duran is like, no problem. He just faints to the left, faints, takes the shot, rides the ropes to the 14th round, knocks him out, and the place goes wild. Nobody can believe it. Well, faith gives you the ability to relax. Most of us are so tense when things come in life, you see. But experience teaches you, calm down. Be still and know that I am God. Calm down. That's how we'd say it today. It doesn't mean shut up. That's not what that verse means, be still. It means be calm. Be relaxed. Good things are coming. And you know, the, the first thing that happens when difficulty comes is the anxiety level goes up, the heart starts to pound, the adrenaline starts to flow, and the nerves go crazy. Because this is a tough time. This is a stressful time. Good things are coming. They're going to come to your life as you wait on God. Secondly, it keeps you hopeful. I meet people all the time, you know, in my counseling situations. This is one of the things I go over and over and over with them. I give them tapes on it, go over and over because we lose hope. There's nothing more sorry for me to see than a hopeless person. It's, it's a sad thing. A person who goes through life with just no hope. And you watch them, they may be the epitome of youth, the epitome of health. Yet inside, the wind is gone. The hope is gone. They just kind of drudge through life. Well, God's going to bring good in your life. The second thing that's necessary if you're going to make it through tough times is a new perspective. A new perspective. Okay? Here's that perspective. Make friends with tough times. Ooh, Mark, come on. I don't want to hear that. Hey, listen, tough times are your best friends. I know, you don't, you don't believe me, do you? Listen, the greatest people in the world who have accomplished the most in life, who you read about, have had a life that's been incredibly tough. They've made friends with their tough times. Every encouraging thing in the Bible that you read started out bad. Everything. Moses, David, Joseph, Job, Ruth, Esther, Paul, I, Jesus. It was bad. It was tough. It was rough. And the Bible tells us, welcome trials as long lost friends. Oh, you know, that's probably one of the most difficult verses for people. It's kind of like, I don't believe God wrote that. I think that's one of those verses, you know, snuck in there. That's the most illogical thing I ever heard of. Well, let me show you how logical it is, okay? Trials make you grow as a person. The, dif the difference between the trials that come to our life, though, and certain other things that I'm going to compare them to is this. What we don't like about trials is we didn't pick them. That's the only thing. You ever realize that? Let me tell you why. A lot of you in this room are athletic. A lot of us last night tripped the light fantastic. 
at the wedding, uh, including me, till one in the morning. And guess what? My feet hurt. My body's paying for it. Some of you, I'm sure, are worse than I am. You know, because I am really in good top, tip-top shape. I want to tell you. I think maybe the next couple days, I'm really going to pay. But some of you are paying for it. And it doesn't bother you. You didn't think about that last night as you were dancing around the floor. Some of you go out and run 15, 20 miles. Well, let me tell you, you think pain is fun? Oh yeah, pain is fun. No pain, no gain. You know why people say that? Because it's self-inflicted pain. You see, as long as you get to choose it, it's fine with you. All you need to learn to do is God knows how to give you better pain than you know how to give yourself. That's all. God knows how to give you just the right kind of pain and pressures that develop your life, never crush your life. God never brings things into your life to crush your life. That's not the nature of God. God doesn't get His kicks out of putting somebody between His hands. How many of you saw Star Trek V? Did you see Star Trek V? I went to saw Star Trek V. Uh, for those of you who didn't get to see it, I'm going to blow the whole thing for you. Okay? Uh, I'm sorry. Star Trek V is, it's okay. No Holes Barred was better. <laughs> but, Star Trek V, this mad, crazed Cybok, who is Spock's long-lost brother, is in the pursuit of God. And so they break the barrier of the galaxies, and they find Eden. Well, they think it's Eden. And they get to this place, and this Almighty comes and they think it's God. But it's not God at all. It's really the personification of the devil, more, more or less. And it's this God who just gets a kick out of inflicting pain and crushing and hurting. That's not our God. God never does that. God only brings about difficulties for your benefit. God doesn't benefit. You see, God is not sadistic. God does not benefit from pain. You benefit, and there's usually two ways that we benefit. Number one, nothing is more painful than an arrogant personality. Arrogance robs us of joy in life. And so, one of the essential reasons God brings about pain in people's lives is to bring about humility. Do you know why humility is so important? Because without humility, you'll never come to Christ. You'll never get to heaven. Until God breaks the veneer of that pride that surrounds the heart, we just won't come to God. So I look back in my life now and know I'm going to heaven and say, Oh God, thank you for almost killing me three times in my life to get my attention. I'll tell you, I couldn't be more thankful for anything in my life than that God shattered the hard-heartedness of my life because now more than anything else I want is to be with Jesus. But I didn't know that 13 and a half years ago. I was a rebellious, arrogant man. And so God began raining down the pressure, the traumas of life. Until I got to the point, I said, God, I want you. And then God began changing my life. And then the second reason God brings difficulties into our life is to build you as an individual is to give you greater and greater character, is to deepen the roots of your life and build your personality and give you a greater zest for life. You know, the last 13 years of my life have not been easy ones. If 
Financially, they've not been easy. They've been very, very, very traumatic. And I won't elaborate today. You just have to take my word for it. I've told you these stories before. And I only got one life, so you hear the same stories, you know. And I have traumas now, today. The difference is, is they don't seem nearly as large as they did five years ago because of what God's taken me through. See? I have a much greater capacity today for traumas all around me. Now it's, see, the trauma is not only my own life, because years ago it was just my life and my wife and my babies. Now it's my life, my wife, my babies, and 200 and some other people. My brothers and my sisters, my family, my friends, and all the trauma they go through, and the phone calls I get, and people who are depending on me. And if God had not taken me through the traumas that I personally have had to go through in my life, I'd crumble. I'd just crumble like a cookie under somebody's foot and be gone. And so God is, he just causes those roots to go down in our life. And so, you know, I've learned to accept my trials as something very good in my life. Now, I don't always. I'm not saying, you know, Mark Darling does this 100% of the time. But I've learned overall to have that perspective on my life. Boy, these difficulties are great. Boy, God, you just bring it on because, man, I'm ready with your word. Handle this. You are going to bring about good. You are going to do some good things. You know, sometimes you have no idea what we go through as a band back here every week. I don't know. We try and we practice and we give it our best shot and inevitably something wrong happens. And I know people, and I remember seven years ago, I would have just walked off the stage. Some of the things that have happened to us up here, I would have just turned around, walked off, left the door, and that would have been it. I've had it! It's over with! I'm sick of these little trials going on all the time. And that's how we are sometimes. It's even just the little things. They get on us and we just, ah, I'm so, I'm so sick of it. I'm so tired of hassling with life. They develop perseverance in our life. You know, a lot of us here, at least some of us I know, are runners. And you remember when you first started running, I remember the president's physical fitness test in high school, and the one thing I, I didn't even do, I just flunked it on purpose, was the 600-yard run. And I, and I prided myself, I, I, had, I had some records even in my high school for like pull-ups and sit-ups and the 50-yard dash and that other kind of stuff, but 600-yard run, forget it. I'm not doing it, coach. That, that was my mentality in school. I didn't do anything I didn't want to do, I didn't do it. So I got D's and C's in high school. Because I just, if I didn't want to do a term paper, I didn't do it. I had no perseverance. I wasn't going to footnote all that stuff. I wasn't going to pull out recipe cards and sit like the girls all day and write out these little notes and try to get an A. Baloney! I'm not doing what I don't want to do. And oh, I was a rebel, man. And when it came to 600 yard run, you know what I hated? I hate long distances. Oh, it's such a bummer. And then I married a long distance runner. Can you believe it? <laughs> And, and I can, how is it pleasure to run and run? And you're going nowhere, but you're going somewhere. And you run and you run. And it's kind of like, you know, what's the deal? You know, it's no fun. You, you damage brain cells. Did you know that? Long, you, you don't believe me. You don't believe me. Okay, okay. Now, I'm going to tell you a little secret here about running. I know, you guys. Mark Bowen, our resident medical person, will confirm this when I'm done here today. I live, I live with two long-distance runners. I live with one and another friend of mine, Boke Desmond. I want to tell you what long-distance running will do to you. 
When your brain does not get the proper amount of oxygen, brain cells die. Do you understand what I'm saying? And they don't replace themselves. So the more you run and you lose this oxygen, these brain cells are screaming for oxygen. Why don't you stop? Listen to your brain. Your brain is telling you to stop. And you go, I'm going to beat my brain. I'm going to keep going. You know, you don't listen to your brain. You didn't know that. Do you know how hard it is on your joints? You know how hard it is on the uterus? On the body? No, we just keep doing it, man. We're going to run. Got to run. You know, and I don't know. We're a society that runs and goes nowhere. It's an interesting phenomenon. Interesting. And it's amazing what we inflict on ourselves. I think sometimes things we inflict on ourselves not half as bad as what God brings on us. And we do it willingly. And we even go out and buy the right outfits for the right trial. You know? We just love it. I mean, you know, it's just like, man, these spandex shorts are so great. You know? And we go out and the blisters cover your feet and it's like, oh, I just feel so good, you know? I don't know, man, I tell you. Anyway, I decided not to inflict my own. I just let God bring them on me. And, and uh, anyway, that's the truth. You can look it up later, you know. You look it up later just to confirm it. But that's what my roommate Boat told me. And he was a runner for Iowa State. So that's, you know, that's what he told me. Anyway, my sources, you know, I'm trusting my sources there. The third thing that you need to learn to do if you're going to make it through tough times is learn to enjoy life now. Most of us tend to live in the future. You know, mom and dad telling you, well, someday when our ship comes in. Someday when our ship comes in. And, and you know what happens? We don't take any joy in today as we're writing out the 50 bills that have to go out that leave just enough money for groceries. We're just thinking to ourselves, someday these stinking bills, someday we'll have enough money and we'll be able to put some away. And we just, boy, the little things in life, and pretty soon they color our whole life. And we just go from one day to the next, living in the future. Just, just wishing what was happening wasn't happening. We miss all the little joys in life. I was reading the other day an article about the secret to survival. And um, they were telling a story of concentration camp victims who they interviewed, lived through it. And they were asking what their secret to making it through was. And besides spiritual faith and that type of thing, they said it was taking pleasure in the small things in life. Many would say when I was in Auschwitz, it was just looking out my window in the morning and watching the sun come up and knowing and experiencing the beauty of a sunrise. Or being at night when I was feeling so alone and so deserted and like I was going to die any day, looking up and seeing the stars and and knowing there was a God. Or, or watching, one day watching, there was a little flower that was growing up and stepping down and touching it. We just don't take that time today in America. That's just not our habit of life. Learn to enjoy life. I've determined in my life, and I determined this some years ago, I am going to enjoy life, and that's all there is to it. Nobody's going to keep me from it. That Jesus told us to have an abundant life. Didn't He tell us to have an abundant life? He came that we might have life and have it abundantly. I'm determined that's going to be the case. If it's bad, that's fine. I can still be abundant. If things are good, that's fine. I can still be abundant. And in good and bad, I've learned to be joyful in life. So it's so important that you learn to be thankful, to practice happiness. Do you know, why do you think Paul says, rejoice always? 
Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Kind of like Paul, get off the podium, man. Get off that rejoice stuff. What do you know, Paul? You don't live in 20th century America. You don't have to deal with traffic, taxes, bills, family life. No, nope. he just had to sit in prison, in a dungeon, with leeches crawling on his body, and rats for friends, and people who he'd given his life for desert him, and stab him in the back, and tell him, and spread all around that he was an imposter, and he's sitting there in this miserable, stinking prison, writing to the people he was loving, and laying down his life for. Rejoice! I just thank God for you guys. And here he is in jail, not thinking about himself, but thinking about all the people that God has privileged him to know and to lead to Christ and how much they mean to him. You know, the other night when I was uh, at John and Suzanne's wedding rehearsal, Michelle and Heidi put together a slideshow for them. And uh, it's probably one of the most powerful slideshows that I've ever seen. Maybe just because it was personal. And it was about their parents and they got married and then the kids growing up and, and, then it, and then it showed them with some of you all. And the, yesterday my wife and I were laying out in the sun yesterday morning to get a little color before the wedding. And, and uh, I try to get interested in what my wife's interested in. You know, I, I told that about friendship. So she likes to lay in the sun. I don't really like it, but I thought I'll go out and lay by her and we'll visit. So she goes, you know, I noticed, Mark, that you were really, uh, that really shook you up, that, that little slideshow that you were really crying. And I said, well, yeah, yeah, it did. And she said, well, how come? I said, well, because for one, I said, because in about ten years or nine, I'll probably be doing this myself. And if they go as fast the first nine years, pretty be just like this, and I'll be giving my daughters away. And it made me just thank God for the richness of my family. Really made me thank God for my kids, for my wife. But then, you all started coming on. And I said, Kathy, I said, you know, this is a dream for me. These believers love one another like no believers I've ever been around in my life. And it's a dream come true for me. These people would die for one another. Their fond affection for one another. The, the affection between the guys and the girls and the girls and the guys and the girls and the girls and the guys. And the guys and the guys, it's a dream for me. These people are my kids. And I love them. You, you know, I mean, if all else fails in my life, I just sit at home and think about you guys. If everything else in my life is just going to pot, I just sit back and start thinking about you. you. You just never know what you all mean to me. And that's Paul. Sitting back in the prison. And you can see faces and feel the embrace. And that God is so wonderful, the mind He gave us. We can relive experiences. Learn to relive the positive ones, not the negative ones. Play the right tapes, see? And so I relive those moments. I was laying on my bed, you know, Friday night. I was up half the night just thinking about the richness of what, where God has brought my life today and the people that God has involved in my life. And this was Paul. He found there's always something to be happy about, friends. There is always something to enjoy. You know, I've thought about this. See, I know what it's like. I've thought back and said, God, what, what if one of my children were killed? Well, I don't, I don't like to think about that, but it's easy sometimes to have that happen, isn't it? What if, what if one of them was gone? It'd kill me. Well, yeah, it would. It'd be like a knife to my heart. But I have had to settle in my mind that God has got to know what He's doing with my life. For sure I'd ball. For sure I'd miss one of my children. But I also have learned in my life 
God knows what is good for Mark Darling. And I've just got to settle that in my mind or I could be a fretful fanatic worrying about every little thing that happens in life. The fourth thing, and this is, leads up to this, found in Matthew 6, 34. Take one day at a time. You've got to learn to take one day at a time. And I want to explain what I mean by this. We often think this is a, uh, a secular little tidbit of wisdom, but it's not. It comes from the Bible. And it's in Matthew 6, in verse 34. It says, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. How true that is. But you know, for most of us, nothing is more destructive than conjuring up in our mind all of our future fears and negatives and trying to figure out today what's going to happen tomorrow when most of the time they never happen. Did you know that? Murphy's Law is trash. It's the stupidest thing I ever heard of in my life. And it has made millions of Americans, particularly Christians, live with this expectation that bad's always coming around the corner. It says anything that bad's going to happen, it's going to happen. That's not true. That's not true. And we've developed this negative mentality for living. One day at a time. It doesn't matter what happens tomorrow. It doesn't matter what happens the next day. I was recently visiting with a friend who was really under some tremendous stress. You know, it's amazing sometimes how God will do things in our life. This tremendous victory had just been won. And then not two or three hours later, a tremendous difficulty came along that seemed to almost erase the victory that had just taken place. And after I was done visiting with this particular individual, I just went out in my garage and wept. I just paced the floor and said, God, I'll tell you, this one, this one's a tough one for me, Lord. This is really hard. And I just walked and I prayed and I went over these passages and I thought, you know, I was just trying to remember what I was telling the person on the phone. I said, listen, I know it's hard, but listen, we don't know that that's how it's going to turn out tomorrow. And we don't know that that's how it's going to turn out a week from now. What we do know is that God is powerful, that God is the God of all flesh, and that God works everything for good. So let's leave it at that and let tomorrow take care of itself. But sometimes, you know, we wonder, I don't know, God. What if I don't get married? What if I get to 30 and I'm not married? What if I get to 40 and I'm not married? What if I get to 50 and I'm not married? What if I never get married? And all of a sudden, you have placed this dark cloud of life over you and it's just there all the time when it's within your power to remove. When you have the ability to, to dissipate the skies and let the sun shine in, in your heart and in your life. God is going to do you good and all you have to worry about is grace for this day, not for the 15 that are coming, not for the year that's coming. How am I going to put my kids through college? And how am I going to do this? And, and what if the war is nuclearized? And what if it's blown up? And, and, and what about all the crime? And what about everything? Listen, you live today and trust God for today. Just like in the Old Testament, God gave them manna for one day at a time. And you know what happened if they tried to gather extra manna? It rotted. And it stunk up the whole thing. And sometimes this is what we try to do. We try to live on past faith. Or we try to accumulate. Nope. Nope, you've got to walk with God each day, you see. You've got to walk with Him a day at a time, trusting Him one day at a time. That's why God 
gave us time because we don't have the ability to live in a timeless zone. That's why God has made us in such a way that there's 24 hours in a day and we work about 8 to 10 of those and we play about 3 or 4 of those and we sleep about 5 to 8 of those so we can handle life. See? It's blocked off. So we just go a day at a time. It's very important that you learn to do that. Isaiah 40 tells us that God gives us strength for each new day. In closing, I would just like to give you three things that are essential for developing your faith. Three things. Okay? The solution for what I'm telling you is faith. It takes faith to live one day at a time. It takes faith to love trials. It takes faith to believe that God is going to do you good. So, the crucial question is, how do I build strong faith? The first is read your Bible. I'm going to emphasize all the three things that I've gone over with you already. Read your Bible. Why? God's Word fills your mind with faith-building truth. I want to tell you a little secret. You're going, to, you're going to find in a normal day that most of the things that come into your life, not only are they not neutral, but they destroy faith. Our society is not neutral. The radio is not neutral. Your friends are not neutral. Your job situation is not neutral and the television is not neutral. They will constantly bring you down and tear you down and lower you and get you focused on the things of life. You must put faith-building truths into your life. And I cannot do that for you. No one can do that for you. You must take this book and eat it. Eat it just like food. No one sits around here in this room and spoon-feeds anybody. You eat. If you stop eating, you're not going to make it. So you must be taking in faith-building truths. And this book, the Bible, is where you find them. Secondly, you'll learn about God and His attributes. Like I said before, God has been given a bum rap and we don't understand God. You need to know what God is like. I know God because I know this book. God is revealed in this book what He's like. And I also know because I've been through the test tube of life and God has always kept His promises. He has always kept His word to me and to others that I know in this room. He's always. He's never failed. You learn what He's like. See, you learn about the tough times others faced and how their faith was rewarded and you gain encouragement. Every individual in here who ever had faith in God was never let down. Those who hope in the Lord will never be disappointed. You want to get out of disappointment and frustration in your life? You know, disappointment saps you of strength. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is the tree of life. And God wants your life to be like the tree of life. D, you will learn promises that will sustain you through difficult times. You know, <clears throat> there is no way I make it in life without this book. No way. There's no way I would get through a day without claiming these, this book. There's promises in here I have for my life, promises I have for each day, promises for my marriage, promises for my kid, promises for my finances. And if God lets me down, I am a cooked goose. It's all in vain. My whole life's all in vain if, if this doesn't come true. So I live by it. My whole, this is my security. This is my insurance and assurance in life. Is God's promises. God's promises. You desperately need them or you will not make it. 
You know, and you may say, well, I'll get through life. No, you won't. I don't consider getting by making it. When I'm talking about making it, I'm talking about a vibrance for life, an enthusiasm, and a zest for living. Not when someone asks you, how are you doing? Oh, fine. Oh, and I'm okay. And everyone's always got to pump you up because you can never pump anybody else up because you got nowhere. you got no vitality. You've got no energy. God is a God of energy. God is energized with enthusiasm and joy and power. And that's what He came to give us. If we had those kind of lives, you wonder if the whole world wouldn't turn to our God. But when they look at the kind of anemic bride that Christ has today on this planet, you wonder why anyone turns to Christ. I wonder that sometimes. I really wonder that. It only points to the power of the Holy Spirit. Number two, pray. Communicate with God. Communicate with God. Talk things over with Him. Give your worries and anxieties to Him. You will not be able to develop your faith if you don't have a prayer life. Okay? That's what we talked about last week about the stress monster. Pray. Talk to God. It doesn't have to be official. It doesn't have to be, dear sir. It doesn't have to be, uh, God, you got time for me? It's just you talk. Just like I'm talking to you today. Alone, you communicate with Him. You tell Him what's bothering you. Share with Him your dreams and desires. I do all the time. He's my closest confidant. He knows things about me none of you know. He knows dreams I have none of you know. Desires I have that no one knows. I tell Him. I talk to Him. Why? Because He can do something about all of them. He can do something about all of them. And see, remember prayer changes things. God answers prayer and answered prayer inspires more faith. God answers prayer. I'm going to tell you a little story that happened the other day. Someone called and shared with me. One of the girls here in the church was really wanting to take a trip to California. And she was really praying that God work it out so she could go to California. She only had $99 to get this plane ticket to go to California, which basically gets you about one way. But it was also her parents, uh, I think it was like their 25th anniversary was coming up. And she thought, you know, I want to honor my parents. And so she took the $99 and she gave it all. Spent, actually, she spent 200 to throw this big bash for her parents. And there went her money to go to California. She was just praying about it. So where she works, she has to load pop machines. And Pepsi's having this big deal right now, you know, this, this thing. Get these, these prizes. So she's loading the pop deal and she looks down says, You've won a round tip expense paid trip anywhere in the United States. Two days later, she's doing the same thing. And she won another one. And she gave it to me. Isn't that nice? Can you believe that? And God answered my prayer. Because I've been wanting to... Uh, there's actually two deals. I want One is my sister and one is my father. I've not seen my father in about five years. And uh, I think he lives in California. So God is a miracle working God. Those aren't coincidences. Not for a Christian. They may be if you don't know the Lord. They're not for a person who is Christ. God knows how to work. And her faith was rewarded. And you know what happens when God answers prayer? Your faith grows. It's inspired to believe God for more. So it's very important that you cultivate a prayer life because answered prayer inspires more faith. And it inspires you to go back to God and pray again. The last thing I want to share with you today in order to develop your faith is fellowship and friendship. Surround yourself with others who are growing in their faith. I surround myself with people, and especially close, intimate friends, who believe God. I do not surround myself with people who are doubters. I do not. 
I surround myself with people who are believing God, who are growing in their faith. Now, I mean, all of us have our times of doubt. I don't mean perfect people. But it's very important that you're with people who believe God and believe in God's goodness and can encourage you. You'll get encouragement from others. You need encouragement from others. I need encouragement from others. You'll be stimulated by their example of going through tough times. There's one person in this church, most of you don't know her very well. Her name is Robin Osbeck. Robin is legally blind. She has no kidneys. She has cataracts. She has diabetes. She has more problems than you could ever imagine having. And any time she can get her to a celebration, she comes. And she sits out there and she can't hardly see in front of her face, but she'll come. And she'll, in her own handwriting, I think she can see blurs, she'll write me letters. She's one of the most faithful people to write me notes of encouragement. And she prays for me every day. And usually, she's in excruciating pain. So much pain, she can't... And the pain medicine makes her vomit uncontrollably. So she lives with it most of the time. She's about 32 years old. And that girl inspires me so much. Every time I see her, she put a smile on her face... Every time I talk to her on the phone, no matter how weak she is, I have never seen her discouraged, bummed out about life. And one day she told me the secret, and I can't remember them all. There was 14 things. She said, Mark, I said, I just remember 14 things. And she starts rattling them off over the phone. <laughs> and one of the first ones is that God is good to me, Mark. God is good to me. And one of the second or third is that it won't be long and I shed this skin. I won't be in this shell anymore. And you know, I think, Mark, I'm going to appreciate my heavenly body a lot more than the rest of you. She inspires my faith. And many of you in this room inspire my faith. Many of you that I've gotten to know personally, you encourage me. Your faith in the way you've gone through difficult times encourages my life. And the last thing about friendship is we have someone to share the burden with. A burden divided is easier to carry. If I have 50 pounds and I give you 25 and I take 25, it's a little easier to carry, isn't it? You know, we need to learn to do that in our lives. Anything I desire in this church is people that really care for one another, that lift one another's burdens, and that bear up under one another. That's what it's all about. That's the true test of our love. The ability to be honest and say what's really going on and bear up under one another and support one another. You do those things, your faith will grow, and I promise you, that you'll be able to handle your tough times with the renewed vitality and strength. Next week will be the last Sunday of this series. It's entitled The Ultimate Source of Inner Strength. And I'd like to encourage you next week, if you're not out of town on the 4th of July, please join us. We'd love to have you. And I promise you that you will learn something that will change your life. Let's pray.